Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. If you got your Bible, please turn with me to First uh, Corinthians. We are now in chapter 16. We are continuing with our series called Wild, and today we are going to be looking at finance and the mission of God. First Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to be reading from verse 1 till verse 11. So do follow me as I read. Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you are credited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I shall go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my, my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I'm expecting him with the brothers. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for how you speak to us. Lord, with passages like this, you're able to rebuke, restore, empower, exhort, encourage, stir our hearts, Lord, equip, disciple us, Lord, and to become more like Jesus Christ. And I pray today, as we look at this passage, as we continue this series of talks, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, may we never, ever harden our hearts towards your, especially when we hear your voice. Lord, I pray, may Scripture be, Lord, welcomed into the depths of our hearts. May Scripture teach us, Lord, shape us, mold us, into becoming more like you. I pray today that we'll have nothing that is reserved, Lord, away from Scripture, but everything will be open and available for the passage of Scripture that we are reading now to really do the work in our hearts. Put it in our hearts, and Lord, may everything you teach us, may we be able to give us the opportunity to put it into practice. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Two weeks we... We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Alice Scott spoke um, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, he spoke about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Remember, the Corinthians were sort of asking questions about the resurrection. 
Because you can't be a believer and not believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Because Paul is saying to the Corinthians, if you don't believe in the resurrection of Christ, then your faith is futile. Then what you are trusting in is you are trusting in a God who has no power. Because if Christ has not been raised, then what we are doing here amounts to nothing. But if Christ has been raised from the dead, then we have faith to trust in the one who has the power to restore people because he himself has been able to overcome death. And he is now alive and he will restore us not only into new life, but he will restore us fully in the future into himself in the resurrection. But not only does he talk about the Christ who's been raised and now has the power to restore us back to God, Paul goes on to talk about the resurrection of the dead. That for you, one day, there's going to come a time where God will raise you from the dead. Because one thing that you cannot escape is death. You can escape everything else, whether you're rich or poor, whether you come from the east or the west or the north or the south. The one thing you will never escape is death. But fear not. For Jesus has overcome death, which means when you die, death will just be something that takes you to the, new, to the new life, to something that's bigger and better in the future. But it's not just about that. It's not about just looking forward to what is yet to come. Paul goes on to say, whatever you do right now is very important. Everything you've been doing all your life after you became a believer is so important before God. Because you are carrying that into the future. It says, everything you are doing now is not in vain. Because in the future, you'll find that even some of the works that you've been doing behind the scenes, God will put it on display. And the Bible says it gets tested by fire. So the fire falls and says, is this being done out of faith or not? It might look like an incredible work, me standing here now. If this is not for the purposes of God, if this is a show, if this is about myself, one day the fire will come and test the work of my preaching today. And if it amounts to nothing, I've been running my race and I've been running but not really achieving the price. That there's, there's going to come a time when everything we do will be on display for everyone to see, for God to see. And now our hearts will be on display as well. Whatever you do, in the Lord, nothing goes to waste because everything that you are doing now has future consequences. As in, God is storing it for a great treasure in the future. You are not running a race aimlessly as you beat your body, as you commit yourself, as you take risks, as you abandon yourself to the purposes of God. You will receive something greater and more beautiful in the future, more surpassing to anything that you ever experienced or received in this life. And now, it might feel like Paul is just changing gear to talk about something else. But the reality is, Paul is not doing that. That's my mobile. I think the Lord is calling me. <laughs> Can you just switch it off, please? It's a Harley Davidson ring. It's for, it's, it's, it's for good guys. But anyway, 
what God is doing is that Paul is not just changing gear to talk about money now while he's been busy talking about resurrection and what you are doing now not being in vain. Off the back of what he's just said, he sent to the Corinthians, it's time for you to give. Isn't it interesting? You will be raised from the dead. It's time for you to give. Basically what he's saying is this. The penny that goes in the offering now, as you put it down, God sees it, and that is being stored for the future. Which means you are not taking your money with you. I'm not taking my cash with me, but the heart behind it is on display before God for the future. And in the future, you will receive way more than whatever you put in the offering. That's what Paul is saying. He's using everything that we are doing now to, to mean that it's for the future, not just for now. Everything, nothing is going to waste. It's not in vain. It's all for the future glory of the crown that awaits us as we go into the future and the new heavens and the new earth with Christ when we are reconciled with him in the future. And I want to talk to you about four things this morning. The first thing I want to talk, to talk about on this finance and the mission of God is giving is modeled. Secondly, is planned. Thirdly, is entrusted. And fourthly, is missional. Giving is modeled. When you read First Chronicles 29, David is just about to die. He's literally about to die, and now he knows very well he's not going to carry this kingdom further beyond that. And he knows that God has now appointed a future king to come and succeed David into the future. Who is this? Solomon. He's got his work cut out for what is yet to come. And God says, you, David, are not going to build a palace and you're not going to build a temple. Your son Solomon is going to build a temple. But cheekily, God says to David, but you're going to give to the temple. And you're going to give to the, the palace to be built. And in fact, you're going to give more than anyone else here. And David, not only does he give, but he sets an example and he models for all the people what is yet to come. This is what he says. In 1 Chronicles 29, he says, the work is great. By the way, the work of the Lord is very great. It's huge. It's massive. And he says, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord. We know very well that the palace was going to be for his son Solomon. But is he lying when he says the palace is not for, for man, but for the Lord? No, he's not lying. As they build him for Solomon... They think they're building for Solomon as they're giving towards Solomon. They think they're giving towards Solomon. In the spiritual, whatever we are doing with our money is for the Lord. He says, so I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able. The gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood. He talks about what he has already done. And then he goes on to say, moreover, in, in addition to all that I've provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own, of gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to 
the house of my God, 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver for, the overlaying, for overlaying the walls of the house and for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver. He's already talked about what he's about to give, what he's already put before the Lord to give. And listen to what he says of the back of what he's just told the people. He then asks, he says, who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? I've just done what I've done. Who then is going to follow me? He's modeling to the people. And then he says, then the leaders of the father's houses made their free will offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. Here is a man who's just about to die, and he models something. The last thing he models to the nation is generosity. And he gives, and he steps back, and he says, let me challenge all of you. Who's going to step up and do what I'm doing? And he says, they gathered, and they all gave to the Lord. They modeled it. But Paul here is not saying, I'm going to model giving to you. But he's saying, let me tell you about a church that is a model that you should follow, that you should be like in order for the work in Jerusalem to be great and to flourish. This money that was just about to be given was going to go to Jerusalem. It was going to fulfill the work of God there. A famine had just broken out. We hear about that being prophesied by a man called Agabus when they were in Antioch, that a great famine was going to happen in Judea. And they find themselves in Judea, in Jerusalem, all the disciples who were there, like Peter and John. And Paul is saying, I'm going to rally all the churches to give towards the mother church, which is down in Jerusalem. And he's writing this letter now to explain to the people in Corinth, most of them had just become believers, to say, guys, you are sitting on riches and wealth. People in Jerusalem are suffering. Our mother church in Jerusalem is suffering. Rise and now look at the Galatians. They've already given. Let them be a model to you about how we provide for our brothers in need. Not only does he talk about the Galatian church as a model to the, for the Corinthians, he also later in 2 Corinthians 8 speaks of the churches in Macedonia. And he says to the Corinthians, the churches in Macedonia, they gave. Because the Corinthians could be standing here and saying, but why are you picking on us? Why are you asking us to give? And he says, no, it's because I've also asked the Galatians. And they're coming back again. But, you know, maybe it's not the end of the month. Ask us in a nicer way. Maybe you should teach us the theology of giving first. You know, we, you know all the excuses in giving. And then Paul goes on to say in the next letter, he says, let me tell you about a church or churches in the poorest part of the world. They gave more than you. You know why? Because they gave from the heart. And he's speaking to them about the giving as something that originates, that comes from the heart before from, it comes from our wallets. That's where it begins. Jesus always makes these comparisons to check the heart. He talks, about, he talks about a widow and a rich man or rich man in the temple. He says, 
there's two copper coins. And this guy's, I give him plenty. Jesus is interested in one thing. Have they given themselves first to the Lord? Because if we have given ourselves first to the Lord, given to the Lord is a no-brainer. We don't have to come up with excuses or what we would much rather give to us. This is just second nature to us. Why? Because we give to the one who, who has far outgiven us by giving his life. And one day he will give us glorious, glorious riches in Christ. It's modeled when Jesus is looking at the heart and he says it first begins in the heart. And not only does he talk about the widow who gave two copper coins and also talk about these guys who were in the temple who had all the money but they didn't give from the heart. He's also talking as well later about Lazarus and the rich man. He talks about these two, two different approaches. He has Lazarus who has nothing. He's covered in sores. He has a rich man. And basically what Jesus is saying is that Lazarus' heart was for the future. He's there with, with Abraham. The man with all the riches, he's very far from Abraham, which means everything we do now. Particularly, let me say this. If you want to know one of the biggest strongholds in the world for believers is the stronghold of mammon, is money. If God can get my heart in that area, he's really arrested my heart. Because it's one of the things that i much rather give God everything else. I said, I give you my worship. I'll be there at 7 o'clock. I'll do this. But when, don't touch this one. Don't touch it. But Paul says, it needs to be modeled because it's important. And he speaks from church to church and said, this church is going to be a model. Sitil, this is why I'm saying this. We are looking after many churches around the world. Even as we just heard people um, Nikki and, and Anne come and, and really exhort us when it comes to the, the giving. But oh, it's not today, it's next week and the week after. Let us be a model when it comes to generosity. Let us be a model to other churches that we can say the church in Dubai, City Hill Church, is a model for us. So we can use us and put us up like this as a model for many churches. Let us model generosity. Let it be something that is found in us and in our hearts as we go forward into the future. Let me ask you, when you come before God, is your fist tight or is it open? And I just want to pray for us now that God will create in our hearts open hands, open arms. Just where you are, I just want to close your eyes. I just want to pray. This is a supernatural thing. This is a thing of the heart rather than just uh, how much I have in my pocket. Father, I pray fill every hand that's open right now. Lord, we understand the hardships of this city. We understand, Lord, what is going on around. But Lord, your kingdom thrives even in the most dire situations. We believe that. We believe you are the provider. I want to pray, Lord, for every household, for married couples, for singles here, that, Lord, we will not live tight-fisted lives. Lord, open those arms, those hands for us, that we might receive freely from you. 
and man works hard, but it is the Lord who provides. I pray today that we'll work really hard in the city, but we will believe as we get our, our salaries and our bonuses that you provided that. I ask, Lord, may our, our arms be open to receive all that you are giving to us as you bless us. But equally, Lord, I want to pray that our arms, our hands will also be open as we give all that you've given to us. I pray, Lord, that we will not have a tight, tight fist, but we'll have open hands. Open our hands, Lord, and fill these hands. And may we also fill the lives of others as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Number two, giving is planned. It's modeled. It's also planned. But Paul seems to be saying this. Don't you love my colors here? He says, on the first day of every week, Paul is planning this. He, he becomes like an, an administrator for the Corinthians. He says, let me tell you how you should do it on the first day of every week. He doesn't say, put it in the offering. He says, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. As he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul is very practical when it comes to this. Why? Because giving doesn't just happen, it's planned. We plan our giving. I plan my giving. Emily and I plan our giving. When I was, before I got married, I used to sit down, my pen and paper, review every year and say, how does this work? Now we do it together. Even this week, talking about the special offering, we did it in the, <laughs> in the car, we were talking about it, saying, okay, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do preparing ourselves. You know what? We sit down. We pray about it. We ask God. We say, God, please challenge us. Help us. Stir my faith. Increase my faith. So by the time I put it in there, it's already been done in our hearts. And we challenge each other as a couple. So we stir one another's faith. If I say, all right, this is how I gotta give Emily will look at me and she'll probably say, Is that all you have faith for? <laughs> Isn't it great when you do it as a couple? Because it challenges you. Who are you gonna say, Yeah, that's all I have faith for? No, <laughs> you're gonna say, oh, What have you got in mind? Okay, this is what God is showing me. Let God begin to speak to you as couples. Let it not just be, All right, because the Bible doesn't say, When you come together, each one has a penny in the pocket. Let each one give according to what is in the pocket. No, 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 no. You set time aside. You sit before God. You plan it and you work out your finances and you say, this is it. In the same way as you plan your investment or you plan every other things in your life, sit down, talk about it and let it be something that is done out of planning because he's helping the Corinthians to say, this has got to be done from good planning. This week, one of the things that we were doing is we were reviewing our finances, but also looking at the fact that Emily's not working now because she's on maternity leave. And we're thinking about this and we're saying, what do we do? And the one thing we made a decision to not compromise on was our giving. We said, we're not touching that. If anything, in the future, we look at increasing that rather than bringing it down. We plan it, we sit down, we think it through. And that's what Paul is doing. Do you know why Paul is doing this? Do you know why he's focusing on the specifics? Because this is a big thing and requires faith. 
and He's helping us to think it through. Even spur-of-the-moment giving, by the way, still requires planning. If I was to ask you now, say, hey, can we give towards this? I'm sure you'll go to your wife and say, or to your husband, what do you feel? What is in your heart? That's what I mean by planning. I'm not talking just about putting uh, checks and balances and figures. I'm talking about really searching our hearts and really saying, what, God, what have you got for us? And I just want to say, I just want to thank us as a church for a couple of things that we did a few weeks ago. As city groups, we planned it, and we were able to bless Liberia with, I don't know, 12,000 dirhams plus other things as well, and China. Can we just applaud ourselves? Because I thought that was amazing, by the way. That was, that was incredible. You planned it as city groups. You talked about it. You looked through this. You said, this is what we are able to do. And I want to say, as we continue to plan, let's excel in this. Let's excel because the work is great. The work of the Lord is not shrinking, it's growing. It's only growing. And that's the reality of what we are doing. Let's challenge one another as couples as well in this. Number three, giving is entrusted. The interesting thing here that Paul says, by the way, he doesn't just say, hey, guys, set aside this, time, this money and do this. He is saying, because also you are going to give this money to other people who are going to send it to Jerusalem, and the Jerusalem guys are going to spend your money, and you don't know where they're going to spend your money in. But the interesting thing is, as you give it, you entrust it to others. You say, I'm entrusting the resources that I have been able to work hard for and accumulate, I'm entrusting them to you. The question is, as we give, are we entrusting? Or are we giving? He says, there will be guys who, are gonna, who will take the money from you, let it be from among you, to take the money down to Jerusalem. You entrust the money to them. Who knows what they're going to do? Between Corinth and Jerusalem, it's a long way. They could very easily say, hey, guys, we had robbers come, and they took our money. No, we entrust it to you. We don't know what will happen later, but we entrust it. Secondly, Paul is campaigning for Jerusalem, and they entrust in this money indirectly to Paul. Thirdly, they entrust in this money to the work in Jerusalem. And they're probably not going to get some report on how that has been, although that would be great, and that's good. But it's done because we, we trust you with this. For me, I've done my job. I've released it from me. And that stores for me the future. It's good enough. Now you, you will be accountable before God. A few years ago, I'm pr I probably said this once before, many, many years ago, in South Africa, in a very, very poor church, we gave towards the work in the Philippines. Um, uh, Terry Virgo was with us for a conference called Master Builders, and he said, and we, were, we, we just did a special offering for the conference, and he said, and we asked Terry, he said, where else can we give the money to? And he said, the Philippines. By that time, I didn't even know where the Philippines was. <laughs> and it's many years ago. I remember when I gave it, I said, I'm entrusting this money to Terry. Is entrusted to you, Terry. And it's your responsibility now. What do you do with it? I'm entrusting it to you. Which means my left 
is not going to follow my right or where it's going. Because when my left hand follows my right, I've already received my reward here on earth. So I'm entrusting it to you, Terry. Let me tell you, even here on earth, later, years and years later, I'm so blessed that God has enabled us to inherit not only Filipinos here, but churches in the Philippines, and now we continue the work there. Are you going to entrust it to him? Lastly, sorry, just before we come to the last one, in Acts 4.34, it says, For from time to time, those who own land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feast, his feet, is entrusting it to the apostles and saying, that's it. You guys are accountable. We know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. We won't go there. Number four, giving is missional. Paul is saying, the money is for the mission of God, either here in our city or in the nations of the world. The mission of God is to reach the nations of the world and spread the gospel so that the kingdom of God will grow from a mustard seed into a great tree. And Paul is aware that he's about to ask the Corinthians a lot, by the way, because listen, this is what he does. He speaks about them giving money, setting money aside so that they might give money to go to Jerusalem, all right? That's number one. He's asking them for money for Jerusalem. The second thing that he does is he asks money for himself as well in a cheeky way. Look at, look at what he says. He says, I'll visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me. That word help there, it's a financial provision. Help me on my journey. Not only is he asking money for his mission, He's also asking that when Timothy comes to be with them, they also will provide and help him on his way. Look at this. He says, so, let no one despise him. Who is this? Timothy. Help him on his way in peace. And this is not the first church he's asked to give money towards mission. Look at Romans. Paul has not even been to Rome. He hasn't planted this church. He is just about to go, and he's right into the Romans, and this is what he says. They don't know him, some of them, most of them, from a bar of soap, and this is what Paul says. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Did you know Paul wanted to go to Spain? And to be helped on my journey there by you, which means... The finances of the city, the wealth of this nation, the oil and all the money that is in this city, God has somehow put it together in this city so that you, all of us, might tap into that and harness that money and release it for the mission of God. To bless the nations of the world that one day I'm longing to see India blessed with the finances of this city. Because I'm longing for us to plant churches in India. The question is, do you believe that? We are trusting God for India. This is an interesting one. I came back from the Philippines and God spoke to me about India. 
I was like, wow, say, India, you are next. And even as we give, whether it's now towards the work here of the city, where God is now saying, go and tap into the wealth of the city for the sake of the kingdom, even as you give here, even as you give towards what's going to happen in the future, next week, you're going to work for regions beyond, you are tapping into something a storeroom or storage or something that's go- that God has put together, which is the finance of the city, you are stretching your hand and laying hold of that through the skill that God has given you, and you are releasing that towards the purposes of God and the mission of God. And you will never know what your penny is going to fulfill in the future. To be honest with you, I'm glad I don't, because one day... When I get to see in the new heavens and the new earth, I will be amazed of every penny and what it has been able to fulfill. So in closing, Lord, may our hearts be motivated and may faith to arise when it comes to this area. May we be a model to others as a church. May we be overflowing in generosity. May we never lack as a church. May our resources overflow, not only here in this city, but to others around the world. Lord, may you give us open hands that you may fill these hands. May we live our lives, Lord, with open hands. Fill them, Lord, with your resources in this city, but so that, Lord, our hands will be open to really bless others and to bless the work. May we commit ourselves to the work of God in the nations and in this nation. May we be steward of your resources as City Hill for the work of the mission of God around the world. Father, put it in our hearts. Disciple us in this area of giving and help us to never go back, but to make this decision that we are going to be faithful with the little. And one day, we're going to say, look at the church in, in Dubai, City Hill. May we be like a Galatia churches to other churches. May we be giving as a model, Lord, Help us, put it in our hearts. Let's all stand. Some of you, it's, it's like that moment that Emily and I had in the car where we're reviewing our finances and we're talking about this and we talk, hey, let's give ourselves to this. Some of you, that's what it requires. As couples, yeah. That's what it requires. And by the way, it starts in the heart. It's not about what I have when I come to the meeting. It's about, hey, what have you put in my hands, Lord? And how can I be a blessing? Father, may these hands that are open be blessed. May you enrich us. May you, Father, provide opportunities for those who are jobless, who don't have jobs here. Opportunities so that they might tap into the wealth of the city. Lord, may their hands also be stretched out and that as they put their hands, as they withdraw their hands, may there be something in their hands. I pray that you provide for every person here. Lord, may finance not rob our hearts. May we not grow cold. Lord, those reasons that we have that might be formed by the love of, by mammon, Lord, I pray, disciple us and set us free from those and help us to be a generous church, a generous 
in this city and in the nations. Shoe boxes, special offering, our Friday giving. Father, may we just be a great church in that area. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church.